after I had my first baby, I did go back to work for a year after that. And that was very difficult. And I was a breastfeeding mom myself. And I figured as a nurse and as a lactation counselor, I would know what I was doing. But it was very difficult. What we're seeing now is a really high influx of breast pumps in mother's hands and this kind of urge or desire to use them. But lactation consultants are not really trained on how to help a mother pumping. In an ideal world could just stay home for an extended maternity leave and just breastfeed their babies and never have to pump. I mean, that would be a perfect world. And I think a discussion on the maternity leave in the U.S. is a whole nother episode. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Um, My guest today is Allison Tolman. She's a nurse, a lactation consultant, and a breast pump expert. She owns New Little Life, which uh, focuses on uh, combining breastfeeding and pumping, especially for working mothers. And she has a very successful YouTube channel. It shows objective data and information on the uh, market of breast pumps and uh, all the nuances surrounding them. So, Allison, thanks for coming. Hey, it's good to be here, Richard. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me a bit about your background. How did you get involved in this aspect of mothering? Yeah, good question. So, I started my career as a nurse, as an LPN, and I worked in an OBGYN office. My favorite part of nursing really was the educational part, and I quickly became a lactation counselor and assisted with all the lactation there. So, I knew that that was going to be a long-term goal for me. After I had my first baby, I did go back to work for a year after that. And that was very difficult. And I was a breastfeeding mom myself. And I figured as a nurse and as a lactation counselor, I would know what I was doing. But it was very difficult once I dove into the world of pumping. And I realized that there just was no information out there. I had no one to talk to. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't quite hit my goals like I would like them, but I did the best I could. For me, it was a little discouraging. So as soon as I was able to get my my big certification as an IBCLC, which is an internationally board certified lactation consultant, I immediately jumped right back into the world of pumps and pumping and started a YouTube channel really focused on breast pumps and helping those combining breastfeeding and pumping because it's quite a different world than if you're doing either of those exclusively. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. Yeah, when I when I picture a lactation consultant, and obviously I'm no expert, I just feel like they help with the breastfeeding part of the equation. But the pump part, I don't know. I've never personally encountered it. And uh, my wife breastfed my three kids. She was able to do so. And I think she tried pumping a few times, etc. But again, lactation consultants do they focus on just helping women to breastfeed, or do they actually work with pumps and things like that? Or are you an unusual consultant in that you do? That's a really, really good question, Richard. So as a lactation consultant, we get almost zero training in pumping. So we really are the experts in breastfeeding. When other healthcare providers or moms are, you know, having these difficult 
scenarios regarding breastfeeding, this is where we're the experts in that. So having said that, not a lot of lactation consultants have experience or knowledge around pumping. And it's not their fault. They're not trained in this. And the problem that we're seeing right now is actually that as part of the, you know, part of the Obamacare acts and things that were instituted a few years ago, mothers are getting breast pumps for for free through their insurance, almost everybody. So what we're seeing now is a really high influx of breast pumps in mother's hands and in, in breastfeeding mother's hands and this kind of urge or desire to use them. But lactation consultants are not really trained on how to help a mother pumping. So what I encounter often is people will come to me having had seen lactation consultants before and said that they were wonderful help with breastfeeding. When it came to pumping, they really didn't know a lot. And again, it's not their fault, but that is just kind of where we're at. So we're in kind of a really weird little moment where almost every mother has a breast pump, but also the professionals who are in charge of lactating breasts just are not trained to help them manage that. So that's kind of where I've jumped in and kind of came up with some of my own solutions to both help mothers and professionals when I can to to bridge this gap. Okay. So do most women produce, you know, an overabundance of milk and they can pump and feed and it's no problem? Or is it an either or that creates problems? Oh, that's also a good question. So what I am seeing is since most breastfeeding mothers have breast pumps, they are tending to use them, right? Like who wouldn't? And we are seeing more and more cases of oversupply where a mother has been breastfeeding and pumping and now she's created this demand for more milk and her body has responded with the supply. And you might think oversupply, that's a great thing. I never have to worry about my baby being hungry or I'll have, always have milk. But oversupply comes with its problems too. You can never take a day off of that and it can lead to some other problems as well. So for the moms who are going back to work, I do see a lot of them just breastfeeding on maternity leave. And then once they start going back to work and introducing the pump a lot more than they had been, that's where we're we're seeing a lot of problems come up is the baby, they figured out breastfeeding, the baby's been managing the milk supply very well, but now the pumping's not going great. And so we're just causing problems with the whole dyad. I don't know. There's just a lot of, a lot of problems that we're kind of seeing with this surge yeah. of breast pumps in the, in the space. It sounds silly, but the, the supply of breast milk, all of a sudden I started thinking about inflation. And there's too much supply and the Fed would raise interest rates to slow the production of breast milk. But I know it's ridiculous. That's a very guess, good analogy, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I remember my wife saying that babies are the best breast pumps on earth. Like, I guess if her, she had mastitis or inflammation, the milk wouldn't mm -hmm. flow. Then, you know, one of my kids, wherever it was, would, you know, would feed and that would clear her up better than any pump ever could. Um, are there strategies where... You're using breastfeeding to help a mother pump better or vice versa? Like does one help the other or does one hinder the other? Excellent. So what I'm seeing, I work almost exclusively with working mothers. So they're most all of them are combining breastfeeding and pumping. They're breastfeeding at home and they're pumping at work. And the majority of the mindsets that I'm seeing around that are mothers are pumping at work because they want to continue their breastfeeding relationship as long as possible. So pumping kind of becomes a necessary means to their end goal. They're not necessarily pumping because they love pumping, right? And they also, you know, a lot of them in an ideal world could just stay home for an extended maternity leave and just breastfeed their babies and never have to pump. I mean, that would be 
a perfect world. And I think a discussion on the maternity leave in the U.S. is a whole nother episode for us later. But yeah, we're using breast pumps to facilitate a pumping or a breastfeeding relationship. We do see some moms who are choosing to breast pump exclusively, and that's great as well. And for me, I work with those moms in between who, you know, like I said, are working breastfeeding and pumping. And that's where that's where things get get tricky. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Has anyone looked at the uh, the character and the content of the breast milk itself, like in the morning, you know, the first feeding or, you know, later in the evening? I wonder how much it changes throughout the day. So if like um, the babies are all of a sudden going on to the pumped milk and it's all like afternoon milk, I don't know. Is it different than having morning and evening milk? Yeah, you bet. I mean, milk is made from the mother's body. So her hormones change you know, hourly, right? With her circadian rhythm, we see more prolactin in the night. So moms usually get a lot more milk in the night. I have seen some moms that, that especially that are pumping a lot, tend to like to feed their night milk at night and day milk during the day. Does it make that big of a difference? In my opinion, probably not. And we haven't seen a ton of research saying that babies are getting thrown off their sleep schedules because of that. A lot of moms do do what's called the pitcher method. Well, they're, if they're pumping a lot like a working mom would, they would just combine all of their milk from that day into one pitcher and then divide that out for the bottles for the next day. And that can give a more complete nutrition spread over the whole day. But we're not really seeing a lot of problems come by the timing of the milk that's expressed and when it's fed to the baby. Yeah, I just remember, I guess, in the very beginning, you know, there's the colostrum and then Mm-hmm. I think the hind milk or something they call it comes in. It's like, I'm sure in the very beginning, obviously, you know, they, they want to have the colostrum and it gets it's thicker and harder to get out. But you're talking about after, you know, X number of days a week, and I guess the milk supply is stabilized, right? Yeah, you bet. So after those first couple of months, somewhere between like four and 12 weeks, your milk supply kind of regulates into where it will normally be. And yeah, that's what we're talking about. Those milk in the early days should be fed right away, right? It changes so quickly in the early days. And we're not seeing a lot of moms pumping. I mean, if you pump with a breast milk and you're only getting a teaspoon of milk out in that first day, it's going to get lost in the pump. You know, hand expression can be a lot better for that. Where we see moms introducing the pump is when that more established milk supply is in and they're getting larger quantities. What, um, I know everyone's different, but what what is the, uh, the variation in milk production? Like how much at a time, how much a day? What have you seen? We see quite a, quite a big variety. And Particularly when we start introducing the breast pump, for breastfeeding mothers who are just nursing at the breast, we don't see the numbers and the baby kind of just takes care of that all on their own. And so when you start adding in the breast pump to the equation, things get harder because now we're seeing some numbers and those numbers are not necessarily accurate to the milk supply that you have. You mentioned that your wife said she felt like the baby was a better 
extractor of milk for her than any pump ever would. I would agree with that. I think that pumping is an art and there's a lot of things that go into it too. And really the gold standard of a breast pump is mimicking an infant. But there are just some things that you cannot do with a cold robot machine that a baby can do. So I think it's it's absolutely, we're trying to make these pumps be, be most like a baby. What We may just never get there. And what I'm seeing is this market is so saturated with breast pumps. And that's kind of where I ended up starting my YouTube channel was because mothers were so overwhelmed about which pump do I choose? Which pump is best for me? What's going to help me with my, get the most milk out in my supply? And what about wearable pumps versus the old ones? And it just was really overwhelming. And again, there's no one in this space who's an expert on this. So I do think we'll see that come, um, especially because I don't think breast pumps are going anywhere, nor is the production of them slowing down. So I think we'll we'll be seeing more innovation and tech and stuff, which is cool. I like to see that as well. Yeah, the stuff I remember is from 17, 18, well, 15, 16 years ago. There was manual ones, there was electric ones, there was like, I don't even know the variations anymore, but what what are some of the variations and what would lead to confusion for a woman? Like which ones, you know, do manual ones work better or electric ones better? Like what are some of the, you know, variations again that, that women should be aware of? So there is an alarmingly large amount of breast pumps on the market now. So, I mean, there's hundreds. It's crazy. When I went back to work eight years ago, there I knew of one. I mean, there's been a couple of companies that have been around for, you know, 30 years. And those are the big names that we see a lot. And even eight years ago, that I had one from one of the biggest companies because that's all there was. Within the last four to five years, we have seen an explosion breast pumps in the market there's you, I mean, really anyone, if you've got, you know, some money, you can just call up manufacturer with a patent brand, their pump with your thing and start selling it. I mean, it's very easy. There are a lot of companies there that are working on this tech and developing new products to fill needs of mothers. But as far as what we've currently got on the market, we have kind of your traditional breast pump with the traditional flange. So if you have any experience pumping, that's kind of what you will picture in your mind as we're talking about that. They're almost all double electric breast pumps, meaning that you can pump both sides at the same time with an electric motor. We do have manual pumps, which is a hand pump. And it's just like it sounds, you manually do it with your hand. So you're squeezing manually. There's no electric. You can really only do one side unless you're, you know, multi-talented and can do it with both hands. Then we also have portable pumps. These are usually very small. Moms can use them with the regular phalanges or with maybe a cup that goes right in the bra that makes them more mobile. They're smaller. They do have a little bit less longevity in the motor life because they have smaller motors. And then one of the most popular areas of breast pumps that I get the most questions on are wearable pumps. And these are breast pumps that have the motor and the milk collection device all in one. So you can stick that right in your bra and you don't have any tubes. You don't have a motor coming off. It's right in there, it's that's the motor. It's also collecting the milk. They do kind of have a reputation for not being as effective as a traditional pump. And in my opinion, that may be true. But we are seeing so many more moms that need to be mobile, that need to have their hands free. Maybe they have other little ones. Maybe they're a working mom. You know, I've worked with a few surgeons before who just cannot step away and pump while they're at work. But if you're skipping pumping sessions, your milk supply will suffer. So sometimes we opt for maybe a slightly less effective 
pump because of the conveniences and pros that it offers, which kind of outweigh the the downsides, if that makes sense. So that's kind of a brief overview. Well, I guess there's a whole other okay. category of hospital pumps. These are big, large pumps that are used in the hospitals for multi-users. They're going eight hours a day. Every mom in the hospital that needs it is using it. So it's kind of its category as well. Hmm. Okay. Um, are there, I was, I guess I was going to joke, are there any ones that have like an app attached to it with sensors that let you know the milk production and can change totally. the, the suction yeah. strength and rate yeah, and all that stuff? Bet. There's quite a few. And I think that's, you know, I've talked to a few companies kind of as a cons- an expert consultant before as well. And the, one of their questions is like, should we include an app? Are moms actually using this? And I think we're seeing more and more tech get into the breastfeeding and breast pumping space, which I think is a good and bad thing. I it doesn't always work well when you're tracking something like milk output. I know some of the wearable pumps you can get on your app. You can adjust the settings right from your phone, which is cool. They do track how much milk is being expressed. They're not always accurate, but they do they do kind of help you track the output and things like that. There are just some really interesting <laughs> pumps. I think apps, those have been around for a, a few years, but the Bluetooth capability, some of those more advanced pumps do have those, and it's kind of cool. So um, you said that if uh, women skip pumping sessions, it's bad for their milk. What's like an average window of time in which woman needs to pump and what happens if she exceeds that window? Yeah, good question. So breast milk is created on a supply and demand cycle. So when you're breastfeeding, your baby kind of naturally does this because they get hungry every two to three hours and they were going to ask for more milk. So you're going to put them back to the breast and feed them again. When you're away from them, now you have to regulate that on your own. So I would say two to three hours between milk extraction sessions is kind of a good guideline. But if you're thinking about a working mother, that might not always be possible. You know, if you're working in the ER on a 12 hour shift and it's time to pump, but you know, an emergency comes in, what are you going to do? And so I think this is an important space to be in. We really have to be able to adjust our plans and accommodate for a mom like that. I would say, get it in when you can, and maybe do a makeup session later. If you can squeeze them closer together. If you continue to skip sessions and you continue to not be consistent on your schedule, you will not continue to create the milk because your body thinks that it's doing what it's supposed to. You know, you're asking for less, so it creates less. Women are not lactating forever. So your body expects you at some point to not need any more milk, right? When your baby is not needing that. So if you're telling your body that too early, that's where we do see some some problems with moms struggling with low milk supply. Yeah, I just had an idea. Um my wife said that sometimes in public, if a baby would cry and it was hungry, that she would start to, you know, to produce right there. You bet. It was crazy. So I wonder if, you know, has anyone tried to record the sounds of hungry babies crying, you know, for moms that it's hard for them to get started and maybe they play that and listen to it and it actually helps them get going? That is an excellent tip for helping to get that letdown, especially in a place that you're uncomfortable with, like maybe a workplace or in public. I know a lot of moms will take photos and videos of their babies feeding at the breast and watch those toward the beginning of their pumping session just to help, for one, relax your mind, and then two, to stimulate those hormones. Your milk supply and production is all based around hormones. So what your wife was experiencing was a surge in oxytocin. She heard a baby cry and her oxytocin surge. That's a normal response to an infant in distress. And so what that did is that told her breasts, okay, time to contract and get that milk out. So she had a letdown. She already had milk in there. That oxytocin triggered all of those 
globules to contract and send the milk out for the baby, right? So that's actually a, a great conclusion that you made and an excellent tip that I give out often. Oh, well, it was her conclusion, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Way to give her the credit. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, um, what are some of the issues that women have with pumps and with breastfeeding in general that, you know, they can listen to this podcast and at least start to get some ideas on, on what to do or, you know, what questions should they bring to a lactation consultant? Yeah. So if you are needing some help with pumping and I would ask your lactation consultant straight up, do you have experience helping moms pump? And if they say no, then don't be afraid to ask around for some other resources. I think COVID really opened the world to online resources. Lactation consultants had to switch their practices to virtual when COVID hit because they couldn't be going in with these brand new babies at high risk for infection. So I think there are way more resources available now, especially online, for to getting the specific information that you want. Right. What are you know? So over time or over the years, what are some of the common difficulties that women have had? You've helped them with in terms of pumping. Like when it, it quote unquote doesn't work, what does that mean? Like they get nothing out, or it hurts and they hate doing it, or they get blisters, or you know what happened? The most common complaint about pumping that I get is that I have low milk supply. I'm not making enough milk. And this is one of those things that we have to dive into a little bit further because in my experience, if your baby's breastfeeding fine, your milk supply is fine. So something else is going on here. Most often it's that we are not pumping efficiently. So the milk is actually there. We're just not getting it out as efficiently as we need to. So it looks like low supply. It looks like you don't have enough, but we're just not getting out what's actually available. Sometimes it's reframing the expectations. What is actually normal? I think we see, you know, especially women, we're on social media, we see, we follow other moms, we follow these accounts and you see this, these freezer stashes and these big bottles of pumped milk. And that's not always realistic, especially for someone who is combining feeding methods. And so I think just kind of adjusting expectations even as to what is actually normal, what should I expect? And if I am getting less than normal, why, you know? There are so many reasons. Maybe your baby's being overfed at daycare. You actually are pumping enough. They're just feeding your baby too much. You know, maybe it is actually a low supply problem and your baby is not gaining weight well either. And that's something that you would need to work on in conjunction with your baby's healthcare provider, you know? So what I'm seeing is moms usually come to my channel and to me looking for a, a quick answer, which breast pump should I choose? Or I have low milk supply. What do I do? And in my experience, it's just a lot more involved in that. Breast pumps are are all different. And this is a good thing. Mo babies are different, right? So if you have a fast eater, you may want a breast pump that also has fast cycles and just performs quickly. You know, if you have a slow and cuddly, sweet, soft sucking baby, you're going to want a pump that probably mimics that. So I'm glad there's a variety but it is difficult for mothers to choose one. And, and I get it. That's part of the reason I also worked with an engineer to develop a device where I could test breast pumps and get some objective da data because moms were coming to me saying, which pump should I get? This one, other people say this one feels different than this one. I don't know what that means. And this is a hard thing to do. If you, it's like trying to explain to someone how to balance on a bicycle and ride a bicycle before they've ever even touched a bicycle or tried it, you know, and how do you explain what a breast pump feels like or explain a difference between these two pumps that look identical, but that function very differently. So 
that's kind of been my goal and mission is to gather some objective data so that we can show you a graph. We can show you some numbers and kind of explain the differences and help them make a choice that's most appropriate for them. Yeah, I remember observing like sometimes, you know, one of the kids would go, suck, 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 stop, or pause, suck, 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 pause. You know, they wouldn't just, it's not like a rhythmic continual sucking it looked like at certain points it would but you know it seems like babies again they take breaks they hang out for seconds unless they fall asleep while they do it um has anyone made a pump profile where the suction starts low and gets stronger or it's it 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 goes and stops it goes and stops and trying to mimic actually how babies might might nurse this is one of the things that has surprised me the most in testing and gathering data from i think i have tested over 50, I think close to 60 breast pumps at this point. And looking at their graphs and their data, I'm realizing that there are not very many that are the same. I guess I kind of just expect them to be like up, down, up, down, like pull, stop, pull, stop, you know, but there is such a variety of suction patterns, just like you described with your baby. And again, I think the goal creating breast pumps is to mimic the baby, which is the gold standard. And Biology has created babies to be able to get milk from their mothers to sustain their life, right? We're trying to mimic that in a machine. And I I think you can make the same comparison with formula. Formula is great and it saves lives and it helps mothers meet their goals and feed their babies, but it is not as good as breast milk. Biology has designed that just it's irreplaceable. There are certain aspects of that that we will never be able to to create in a lab and put in a formula. Breast pumps are very similar. I don't I don't think realistically we will ever get to the point where we have consistent pumps that are performing as well as babies. And so that's kind of been what I've what I've been trying to help with yeah. a little bit too. Look at this graph. Does this how does this seem to you? Watch your baby nurse. Or do these seem similar? And again, I think you can overthink this process to the max. Like sometimes you just like pick one. It's suction, it's a pump, like it's gonna suck. So what, just, what about like um a woman doing like a, a small breastfeeding diary? Like can, I don't know, I don't know, I don't never ask. Like can a woman tell? Oh, oh, they're sucking harder, or you know, they can they tell what the pattern is? Like what if they did a again like a breastfeeding diary and they saw the variation in the way their baby does it, and then they were able to seek out pump settings that emulate that. I think that's a good thought, and to be honest, some some women will come to me saying I need a pump with really strong suction you know, because I think they can tell my baby sucks strong and hard, you know, and that's how I want it. I also have women come to me that say like, look, I'm a little sensitive, you know, I don't, I need something that has a, an impressive low range because I know I'm going to have to be pumping on some lower settings. And so I think women kind of naturally have a good idea. The hardest part really is for first time moms who have never (laughs) done this before. And I think a lot of times they look at their insurance and they, they give them a list of pumps that are covered and they just pick one, um, usually on a random statistic and unless they found my channel then I then they all you know dive into that rabbit hole but and then maybe it works or maybe it doesn't and then that's where I see moms diving into okay well I'm not getting enough milk out so I'm going to buy a new breast pump it's got to be the pump that's the problem right so they buy a new pump that's still not working so they buy another pump so moms that sometimes moms that come to me have spent an alarming amount of money on breast pumps trying to fix the problems but Incorrect pumping practices on a new pump is still incorrect pumping practices. (laughs) So I don't know. It's so hard in this world of we we ask mothers to breastfeed for 
six months exclusively, and then a year. The guidelines have recently been extended to up to two years. So we're asking women to do this for a really long time. And then we're not really meeting their needs in, especially those moms in the workplace. And so, geez, it's just kind of a, a mess at the moment. I think it will get better. And we're on, we're on the way more, more awareness and more moms are doing this and sharing their stories too. But yeah, to answer to your original question, I think we have a wide variety of pumps. And so if they can access the data and the resources to know which pumps are doing what, they may be able to figure out better from the get-go instead of buying all these millions of pumps, which one may work from them right from the beginning. Yeah, does anyone supplement a bit of formula into the, the mix or does it make it gross for the baby? Like if they have two-thirds breast milk, one-third formula, you know, maybe that, that helps women with low supply that just can't make it, but will the baby drink that or is that a mistake? Absolutely. I I think that formula is a great resource for what it is. You know, if you want to formula feed from the beginning, that's great as well. The most important thing is to feed the baby, right? We we got to feed the baby. It needs to grow appropriately. So sometimes we do see formula being supplemented along with breast milk. I always like to find that happy place between science meets practical and to really help mothers find what is going to work best for you. If you cannot get your pumping sessions in for whatever reason, maybe it's scheduling, maybe it's mentally that this is just too much for you and you're you're only able to supply your baby 50% breast milk and the other 50% is supplemented with formula, I think that's great. Nothing in our lives has to be all or nothing. And I think especially as mothers, we fall into this pattern a lot of if I'm not doing it, I'm to- 100%, I'm failing. And that is absolutely not the case. I was a nurse and trained in breastfeeding when I went back to work. And by my year goal, my baby was getting about a bottle and a half of formula every day at daycare. So I was able to make about 80% of his breast milk needs while I was at work. We breastfed fine on the weekends and evenings. So again, why was I not able to pump enough milk? The milk was there and I couldn't get it out. And that's really where I have focused. So even professionals, it, this is not easy, right? And we need more resources and, and help, but it never has to be all or nothing. So thanks for bringing that up, Richard. I think that's really important for listeners to know. Yeah, it also sounds very psychological. You know, if uh, if you haven't been producing enough, and then if you have anxiety and you put the pump on you, it probably makes it even harder. So you know, like any suggestions for women to do, maybe it sounds ridiculous, but can they do like a one or two minute calming or meditation or just like, settling and relaxing so that they can pump. Richard, I think you have a real career potential in the field of lactation. So if you ever <laughs> get tired of podcasting, you may consider this this career for you. Um, there's a lot more to pumping than just plug and play with a pump. You'd can't, you can't not very many moms can just like put on a pump, push go, and everything works out perfectly. A large portion pumping especially is mental, like you said. If you're stressed and overwhelmed, you put a pump on. You remember what I, I I told you about your wife and how that oxytocin was released to let the milk down and out. Right. How are you going to get oxytocin to do that for you if you are stressed and uncomfortable and people are looking at me? I got to get back to work. I'm answering emails while I'm trying to pump here. My baby's crying and hungry. I got to get milk for them. That is really, really hard to to have an oxytocin surge, right? We know that oxytocin comes when you touch someone, hug someone during intercourse, 
during labor. That's the contractions that get the baby down and out. And then it's heavy in breastfeeding. So you're absolutely right. The mental game is part of this as well. Some of it's mechanical, some of it's not. So relaxing before, kind of like you said, a two minute, like just kind of mental clearing session is a great idea. Covering the bottles is also a great idea. Baby socks are a perfect size to put over those bottles. So you can't see what's coming out. Sometimes that helps moms get out of their head a little bit. Sometimes I recommend multitasking during pumping. Sometimes I don't. And it just depends. If you're so stressed about pumping that you can't like get out of your head, maybe scrolling through Instagram or something is what you need to relax. But I do see moms sometimes that work through their pumping sessions and then realize, oh, I I haven't had a letdown yet. I do need to kind of take a step back, have a warm drink, just kind of relax and kind of get this milk flowing. So I think you hit on something very important there for pumping. Yeah, I think maybe you should try to make something like that. Like instead of a guided meditation, a guided, um, you know, with sounds. Like again, it would have maybe a baby crying in the beginning. And then it would have babies making like happy sounds as it goes. And maybe there would be a, a woman, you know, like are you talking over for the first X number of minutes? Or you know, like like a guided meditation where a woman could put on headphones or earbuds or something and listen to that. And there's other sounds that are comforting. I bet you that might help. Yeah, I love it. And I love ideas like this. This is what this is what makes me most excited about this field in particular is that we've been breastfeeding forever, right? Women have been helping women do this for a very long time, but the world of pumping is relatively new. So we continue to get interesting ideas like this. Like, has anyone tried that or thought of this or does this work? And that's what I'm loving about this space. And the fact that I have been able to, to kind of explore and talk with companies and try so many different pumps and be an expert in the field. I've gotten to speak at conferences with other professionals as well as help a lot of moms worldwide and and online. It's just been really cool to be a part of this and see new innovation, new ideas, new tech coming really with the goal, making life easier for lactating moms. And it's a really cool place to be. Yeah. Well, very good. Um, So can you restate the name of your channel and, you know, uh, give some resources for women listening that want help? Yeah, you bet. So my YouTube channel is called New Little Life by Allison, and you'll find lots of breast pump reviews, information for working moms, combining breastfeeding and pumping, things like that. I remember when I was looking for breast pump reviews and stuff, all I could find was usually like user reviews. So moms that had used that breast pump and then were sharing their experience with it, which I think is absolutely important that we have real life experience. So what you'll find on my channel is a little bit more nerdy, a little more science uh, objective <laughs> approach. So if that's what resonates with you, that which what you'll find there. I also do have a, my signature program is called Pumping for Working Moms, where I work directly with ex- exclusively working moms and help them combine the two. So that's another resource as well. There are lots of accounts on Instagram, um, especially Facebook, you know, things like that, that you can follow for advice. And, and I encourage you to do that. I think the more awareness and, and pride you can have in this difficult thing that you're doing is important. If you ever feel uncomfortable or like that you're not living up to some standards, unfollow quickly. You know, if an account is not for you, if the person is just not meeting your vibes, myself included, please unfollow. You don't need extra things in your life making you feel guilty and and just like you're not doing enough. So there are lots of resources out there. I don't know what you've got in your show notes, but we can definitely throw some down in there if you'd like and point some sure. moms in the right direction. Excellent. Well, Allison, thank you for what you do and for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, Richard. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, 
please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.